Hello, welcome to the Myths and History of Ancient Greece, Chapter 22, The Last Trojan Hero. Achilles sat in his camp, full of wrath and vengeance. His dear cousin Patroclus had been killed by the great Trojan hero, Hector. He had lost his magical armour, the Greeks were losing the battle. Achilles swore that he would kill Hector and then give Patroclus a really great funeral. Eventually, exhausted by wrath, he fell asleep. Thetis looked down on her sleeping son and decided to help. She travelled to the forge of the smith god Hephaestus and asked him to make a new suit of armour for Achilles. Hephaestus labelled throughout the night and early in the morning presented the new armour to Thetis. It was truly magnificent. It was made of pure bronze and glittered in the sunlight. The helmet had a golden crest, the shield was particularly beautiful, decorated in gold and silver and showing scenes of human triumphs. Achilles was delighted. He put on the new armour, gripped his new spear and prepared himself for battle. The rest of the Greek army saw the great hero in his new magnificent armour and chattered excitedly. They all put on their armour. Now they were ready to defeat the Trojans. Before the battle, Achilles went to visit Agamemnon. The Greek leader apologised for taking Briseis away and she was returned to Achilles along with the other gifts that Agamemnon had promised. The two men forgot their differences. At last the Greeks were united and they went to fight in very good heart. Achilles rode at the head of the army in his mighty chariot, pulled by his two immortal horses, Balios and Xanthos. All he wanted to do was get to Hector and kill him in revenge for Patroclus. There were an awful lot of Trojans in the way though, and Achilles made short work of many of them. Obviously, nobody was a match for the greatest of the Greeks, and he mowed them down as if they were not there. The Trojans died or fled as Achilles slaughtered them. Two of Hector's brothers were killed by Achilles as he made his way towards Troy. The Trojans ran for their lives. Every last one of them who was still alive legged it as fast as he could and ran through the gates into Troy. Safe behind the walls, they collapsed on the ground exhausted. Many, many of their friends were dead, but they were safe. No Trojan warriors remained to face the wrath of Achilles. Except one. Hector stood tall outside the main gate into Troy. The Trojan champion was calm and unafraid as he waited for Achilles. The Greek hero approached slowly, brandishing his terrible spear, and Hector weighed up his chances. He was not as powerful as Achilles. He was not as strong as Achilles. He was not as angry as Achilles. He was, though, clever and quick. Achilles has been in his tent for a long time and may not be fit, he thought. And he has been battling all day. He is probably very tired. Hector considered his options and decided he only stood a chance if Achilles was completely exhausted. With that thought in mind, he turned and ran. Achilles set off after Hector. They were both very quick and they ran right round the walls of the city. Then they ran round the walls again. Then they ran round the walls again. Achilles could not catch up with Hector, but neither did he get tired. Up on Olympus, the gods watched as Hector and Achilles roundabout kept turning. Eventually they got fed up. Thinking that she had put an end to this running around Troy, or it might last all night, Athena came down to the earth. She told Achilles to stop. Achilles obeyed. The Olympian, who hated Troy and the Trojans, tricked poor Hector. She changed her appearance so that she looked exactly like Hector's brother, Deiphobos. She spoke to Hector with the voice of Deiphobos and told him they should stop and fight Achilles together. 
Hector, glad to have his brother with him at this terrible time, agreed. He turned and faced Achilles. Achilles threw his spear at Hector, but he missed. Hector threw his, but Achilles held up his god-made shield, and the spear bounced harmlessly off. Hector called to Deiphobos to hand him another spear. Deiphobos, though, had gone. Too late, Hector realised he had been tricked by Athena. Now my fate has arrived, he said softly, but I will not die without a struggle. Let the men of the future remember a brave Hector. He drew his sword. Achilles saw Hector draw his sword and smiled. As the Trojan hero approached, he reached for another spear. Before Hector could get within range to swing his sword, Achilles thrust his spear into the Trojan's throat. Hector dropped to the ground, dying. As his life ebbed away, he looked up at Achilles and begged him to return his body to Priam so that he could be buried properly. The wrath of Achilles was still strong, though. It should have been enough that Hector was dying, but it wasn't. Hector looked down at the Trojan champion and screamed, I will not give you back, you dog, not even if your father gives me your weight in gold. I will let the dogs eat you. Before he died, Hector had one last thing to say. Do what you will, Achilles, but it will not be long before Paris, my brother, and the divine Apollo slay you in this very place. Hector died. Achilles, still raging, tied the dead hero to the back of his chariot and rode round the city, dragging poor lifeless Hector behind him. On the walls of Troy the city's population wept for their dead leader. Poor Andromache, Hector's wife, wailed and fainted. The next day Achilles held a funeral for Patroclus. He held great games for twelve days to celebrate the life of his cousin. Every day, once the games were over, Achilles rode round the walls of Troy, dragging poor dead Hector. The Trojans grew very angry, and eventually so did the gods. Thetis told Achilles he must return Hector's body to Priam, but her wrathful son refused to listen. That night, though, he had a visitor. Priam left the safety of Troy and went to Achilles' camp. He bent down before the man who had killed his son. The old king wept and begged Achilles to return Hector's body. At last the wrath of Achilles was gone. He sat the old man on a chair and, remembering Patroclus, cried with him. He returned Hector to his father. The last Trojan hero was given a great funeral. Achilles was no longer raging and wrathful, but he had allowed Hector to have a proper burial. Before we say how great this was, though, we must remember one thing. The Greek hero didn't give Hector's body back to the Trojans for nothing. He received Hector's weight in gold as payment. Achilles was a very, very rich man. Sadly for him, he did not have much time to enjoy his new wealth. The tide of the battle had turned against the Trojans. Without Hector, they had no great hero to lead them, and they stayed behind the walls of their city. The siege went on and on, but the Greeks could not find a way to take Troy. They began to get frustrated. Something had to happen soon. Something did. Trojan allies started to turn up, and the Trojans came out to fight once more. First on the scene was the Amazon queen, Penthesilia. She was a daughter of Ares and was very scary for a girl. The Amazons, who really loved a good battle, dived into the thick of the action and killed a lot of the Greek soldiers. No one could get near the Amazon leader until Achilles had to go. He pierced the Amazon queen with his spear and she fell to the ground. Achilles bent down to take her armour and only then realised that he had killed a girl. Achilles was ashamed. He liked fighting and war and he loved killing his enemies, 
but he drew the line at spearing women. As he turned away, looking thoughtful and sad, someone did a very, very stupid thing. The ugliest and nastiest of the Greek leaders, a cousin of Diomedes, called Therestes, jeered and laughed at Achilles. What's up, he said. One look at a pretty face and you go all boo-hoo-hoo on us. He strode over to Penthesilia. The only good enemy is a dun's dead. He gave the body of the Amazon a little kick. She'd make nice meat for the dogs, he laughed. He began to poke Penthesilia with his spear. Achilles lost his temper in a big way. Therestes' life lasted about twenty more seconds. Now, Therestes may have deserved his fate, but it is against the rules to murder a comrade in arms, especially a noble one. Achilles had to sail off to Lesbos and sacrifice to Apollo, Artemis and Leto in order to be purified of his crime. Only then was he allowed to return to Troy. While Achilles was away, another Trojan ally, the king of Ethiopia, joined the battle with thousands of men. Memnon was the son of Eos, goddess of the dawn, and his arrival gave the Trojans great heart. He personally killed quite a lot of Greeks, including Antilochus, the eldest son of Nestor. Antilochus had been Achilles' best friend since Patroclus had died. It was just as Memnon was killing Nestor's son that Achilles arrived back from Lesbos. His rage returned and he charged at Memnon. Up on Olympus, the mothers of the two fighters both pleaded with Zeus. Thetis begged that Achilles should win, and Eos argued for Memnon. Zeus stepped over to his mighty scales, which he used to judge who should die. He put the souls of the two heroes on the scales, Achilles on the left and Memnon on the right. The scales slowly tipped to the right. Memnon's soul was heavier, and it was he who had to die. Eos wailed, while down on the battlefield Achilles fatally wounded Memnon. It is said that the dew we see on the ground in the morning is the tears of Eos, crying eternally in grief for her dead son. Achilles felt on top of the world. The last of the Trojan allies had been defeated in battle, and now, surely, it was only a matter of time before the city fell. He urged the Greeks to attack with every ounce of strength they had. They charged, and the Trojans fled back towards their city. All the Greek leaders joined in the chase. Achilles felt invincible. At the main gate of Troy, a figure stood quietly, bow and arrows in hand. Paris watched as the Trojans ran towards him, scared and panicked, followed by the shouting Greeks. Very calmly, he placed an arrow in his bow and drew back the string. He took very careful aim and let fly. The arrow sailed into the air. It was a good shot, but even the best shot could not have hit its target without help from the gods. Apollo finally had his revenge. He guided Paris's arrow as it flew and brought it down, down, down towards its target. The arrow hit Achilles as he ran with his men towards Troy. Not only that, it hit him in the heel, in the place where Thetis had held him as she dipped him in the river Styx all those years ago. It was the only part of the greatest of the Greeks that was vulnerable to weapons. The arrow was poisoned. Achilles fell to the ground. Achilles died. The Greeks were stunned. For a moment everyone stopped running and there was near silence. The Trojans recovered first and swarmed around the body of Achilles trying to steal the armour. The great Ajax came to his senses and fought his way through to Achilles. He beat the Trojans off and carried Achilles' body back to the Greek camp. Odysseus led the rest of the Greeks in chasing the Trojans back to Troy. 
The funeral of the great Achilles lasted eighteen days. Thetis persuaded Zeus to let the shade of her son go to the island of the blessed in the underworld. More great games were held. At the end of the games, Agamemnon declared that he would give the armour of Achilles to the bravest of the Greek heroes. This was a mind-numbingly stupid thing to do. Inevitably, a great quarrel started about who was the bravest. Many men argued their case, but in the end, it was decided the bravest Greek was either Ajax or Odysseus. Nobody, though, could choose between them. Wise Nestor spoke up. We are too close to these men to be able to decide. The only people who can judge are the Trojans. We must send a spy to listen to what they say about our heroes. This they did, and reports came back that the Trojans thought Odysseus was the bravest. Odysseus was awarded the armour. Ajax lost it completely. He was blind with fury and he fumed all the way back to his tent. By the time he'd got there, he had gone mad. He got it into his head that Odysseus, Agamemnon and Menelaus had cheated him. It had been a grand plan to insult him. He drew his sword and marched back towards the camp to kill them. Athena saw what was going on and arranged it so that Ajax got lost. He wandered around madly and stumbled on the sheep that were being reared to feed the army. Crazy old Ajax thought the sheep were Menelaus, Odysseus, Agamemnon and all the others who had cheated him out of the armour. He began to slaughter the sheep, swearing at them and calling them dogs and liars. He took two of the rams back to his tent and tied them to a pole and whipped them. He thought he was whipping Agamemnon and Menelaus. Eventually Ajax stopped torturing sleep and fell asleep. In the morning he was no longer mad and he was very ashamed. He wandered to a lonely part of the shore, away from the ships, and gazed out over the sea. He drew the sword given to him by Hector after their battle. He planted the sword in the sand, and he threw himself on it. The great Ajax was dead. Agamemnon and Menelaus wanted to throw the body to the birds, but Odysseus strode forward to talk some sense into them. The man was the greatest of the Greeks after Achilles, he said. He must be buried with honour. The other kings realised that Odysseus was right and gave Ajax a fine funeral. So, where are we now? The Greeks had killed Hector and thought they were about to win the war. Achilles had killed the last two allies of the Trojans and led a charge towards Troy. The city was about to fall. What had gone wrong? Only a day later, the two best fighters in the Greek army were dead and Troy was no nearer to falling than it had been for the last ten years. Agamemnon raged at Calchas. The ten years are up, he moaned. We have done everything you told us to do and we are still here. You said it would be ten years, but we are still not inside the walls of Troy. Now Achilles and Ajax are dead. Why do you never get it right? You're useless and I've a good mind to kill you right now. Calchas looked back at him smugly. You have not been listening, he said. I told you many years ago you could not take the city without the bow and arrow of Heracles. Also, now that the great Achilles is dead, you will need to have his son here. Only when these two things are in place will you be able to take Troy. Neoptolemus, son of Achilles, was still a young teenager and was back on the island of Skyros. The bow and arrows of Heracles were marooned on Lemnos with poor wounded stinky old Philoctetes. Agamemnon heaved a heavy sigh. He would have to send some men to fetch the bow and the boy. He looked around at the Greek heroes and, rather unsurprisingly, chose Odysseus and Diomedes to lead the expedition. 
the two friends sailed speedily to Skyros. When they arrived, Odysseus presented the armour of Achilles to Neoptolemus and told him of the prophecy. He was needed at Troy. Neoptolemus was delighted. He had been training to be a warrior and was showing he had inherited his father's skills. Excitedly, he boarded the ship and they sailed away. The winds were up and the ship made good time on its way to Lemnos. When they sailed, Odysseus came up with a plan. He knew that if Philoctetes was alive, he wasn't going to be pleased to see him. It was Odysseus, ten years before, who had marooned Philoctetes on the island in the first place. He was clearly not going to give the bow and arrow of Her Heracles willingly. He would need to be tricked. Odysseus persuaded Neoptolemus to come with him when they landed on the island. Amazingly, Philoctetes was still alive. He had survived for ten years by eating small birds and animals he killed with the hydra-poisoned arrows. He looked a complete mess. His clothes had rotted to virtually nothing, his hair was tangled and streaked with mud, and he had the longest, straggliest beard ever seen. The wound from the snake bite had never healed. It was still very, very stinky, and gave Philoctetes great pain. The ship landed on Lemnos. Neoptolemus strode up to Philoctetes and told him that Odysseus had refused to give him the armour that had belonged to Achilles. He told the scruffy hero that they must escape because Odysseus and Diomedes were on their way to kill them both. Philoctetes believed him and they began to run towards the shore when Neoptolemus said there was a ship waiting. On the way, the pain of the snakebite became too much and Philoctetes stopped. He handed the bow and arrow of Heracles to Neoptolemus while he rolled around in agony. When he recovered, Odysseus stood above him. Philoctetes knew he'd been tricked. Odysseus prepared to leave, job well done. Unfortunately, Neoptolemus had an attack of conscience and gave the bow and arrows back to Philoctetes. Do not kill us, he said. Odysseus fooled you into giving us the bow for the good of the Greeks at Troy, but I cannot allow myself to be part of this trick. Odysseus apologised to Philoctetes, both for leaving him on the island ten years before and for tricking him now. He begged the owner of the bow and arrows to come to Troy, but Philoctetes refused. He refused, that is, until Heracles came down from Olympus and appeared before him. He commanded Philoctetes to go with Odysseus. It was the will of Zeus that he go and win glory. He was now champion of the Greeks. His wound would be healed and he would do great things on the battlefield. A few days later, Odysseus, Diomedes, Neoptolemus and Philoctetes sailed into the harbour and reached the Greek camp. Machaon, son of the great healer Asclepios, stepped forward and healed the snakebite. Philoctetes, in no pain for the first time in ten years, washed his hair, had a nice bath and a shave, and put on some clean clothes. Neoptolemus put on the armour of Achilles. Agamemnon was very pleased to see them, but he was still annoyed. He poked a finger at Calchas. Everything is now in place. If we don't take Troy very soon, then you are in big, big trouble. Unfortunately, everything was not in place. Calchas did not know there was one more thing which had to happen before the Greeks could finally take the city. Only the death of another son of Priam, the marriage of a second, and the treachery of a third would finally lead the Greeks to finding out what it was they had to do. Next week, we will hear about the marriage, the death and the treachery, and find out what it was exactly that the Greeks did have to do. Until then, 
Have a great week, and I'll speak to you next time.